Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. With your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. This week, Beyond the Bell welcomes a clash. A clash of the champions. This is your old school pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell. And I am your host, Sean Beckerman, back with you to bring you all things retro in wrestling. We continue on wrapping up season one of Beyond the Bell, looking back at World Championship Wrestling. And on this edition, we look back at one of the most popular events in WCW history, Clash of the Champions. We'll look back at the history of the Clash and analyze arguably one of the greatest matches of all time in Clash history. One of the very few events to be taken over by WWE during the purchase of of WCW, and it's the only WCW pay-per-view name on the current schedule of pay-per-view events to this very day. Night of Champions became Clash of Champions officially a couple of years ago, and it shows the impact of the name and the history on not just WCW, but professional wrestling as a whole. We'll review the history, the greatest match, and some of the most memorable moments and other matches in Clash history. So get ready, retro fans, to relive Clash of the Champions. Fight TV is the app that lets you enjoy mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, boxing, and traditional martial arts right on the screen of your TV, when you want to and where you want to. Fight is based on Flips Media's unique cloud-to-TV streaming technology, which works with over 350 million connected TVs and 7,000 manufacturer models. The technology requires no boxes, cables, or TV applications. Fight TV is born out of the passion for fighting sports, as well as the frustration of huddling over the small screen. At Fight TV, they believe that watching fighting shows or combat sports on the big screen of your TV or your friend's TVs or any TV that's connected to Wi-Fi should be as simple as switching the TV channel. So check out Fight TV, the cross-section of entertainment and technology. Just open the app and it will automatically connect with your smart TV. All you need to do is choose a video and press play. The Fight TV app is your home for everything that happens in the cage, on the mat, and between the ropes. Download the Fight TV app for free from iTunes and Google Play. Ric Flair! Dusty Rhodes, Sting, Lex Luger, the Road Warriors, the superstars of professional wrestling will gather in the most spectacular wrestling event in history. Clash of the Champions. Five title matches, including the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, 
Clash of the Champions. Superstation TBS presents Clash of the Champions, live and free of charge. 4 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, March 27th. Clash of the Champions was a series of television events aired by World Championship Wrestling. Some consider them pay-per-view events, others specials. The specials were supercards intended to feature pay-per-view caliber matches similar to the WWF's Saturday Night's main event at that time. The first Clash of Champions was held on March 27th, 1988 by Jim Crockett Promotions, and it was entitled NWA Clash of Champions. Jim Crockett Promotions was sold to Ted Turner, as we all know from the earlier editions of the season, and was renamed World Championship Wrestling. This was in 1988. And then in 1991, WCW withdrew from the NWA, whereupon Clash of Champions was renamed Clash of the Champions, in which WCW continued to air the events until 1997. In 1987, Jim Crockett Promotions attempted to broadcast Starcade 87 on pay-per-view. The WWE countered this move by creating the Survivor Series and letting cable operators know that if they show Crockett's show instead of theirs, then they would not be allowed to broadcast that year's WrestleMania, which was WrestleMania 4. Most cable operators caved in to Vince McMahon and his demands, and Crockett's first pay-per-view flopped. A few months later, Jim Crockett tried to broadcast Bunkhouse Stampede 1988 on pay-per-view. The WWF-E countered that move by creating the Royal Rumble and broadcasting it for free on the USA Network. After the WWE successfully sabotaged their first two pay-per-view events, Jim Crockett struck back at the Federation. The first ever Clash of the Champions event was broadcast on WTBS on March 27, 1988. That event was shown while WrestleMania 4 was being shown on pay-per-view at the exact same time, head-to-head, Pre-Monday Night War, WCW and the WWF were going head-to-head. Not only did Crockett take a few dollars away from Vince McMahon that day, he also broadcast, some say, the better show that night as well. The following year, Clash of Champions 6 was broadcast for free on WTBS at the same time that WrestleMania 5 was taking place. Because cable companies were losing money in this war, which would be the final time that the two companies would compete against one another, while on one of them was broadcasting a pay-per-view event. It would be Monday night against Monday night shows, which led to eventually Thursday night battles, but not pay-per-view same-day events. Over the course of nine years, WCW produced 35 Clash of Champions events. Sometimes the shows were more pay-per-view quality, and other times they were used as teaser events to promote an upcoming pay-per-view event. 
The eventual demise of the program was due to it no longer being necessary to have a primetime special on WTBS. By 1997, WCW was broadcasting WCW Monday Nitro weekly on TNT and had an event on pay-per-view every month. Through 1987 and 1988, a bitter event scheduling war broke out between rival wrestling promotions led by Vince McMahon and Jim Crockett Jr. On Thanksgiving night, 1987, McMahon's World Wrestling Federation aired Survivor Series against Starcade from Crockett's National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA. Two pay-per-view events on the same day. Yes, that's correct. At that time, many cable companies could only offer one live pay-per-view, pay-per-view event at a time. And furthermore, were presented with an edict from the WWF saying that any cable company that chose to carry Starcade would be barred from carrying any future WWF events. Hence, the proven WWF pay-per-view was cleared 10-1 to 1 over Starcade. Following this incident, McMahon was was warned by the pay-per-view industry not to schedule pay-per-view events simultaneously with the NWA again, never again. However, he was still not willing to fully cooperate with Crockett. And on January 24th, 1988, another scheduling conflict took place between the WWF and the NWA. The NWA presented the Bunkhouse Stampede on pay-per-view, while on the same night, the WWF aired the first ever Royal Rumble for free on the USA Network. In 1988, with the WWF's WrestleMania 4 pay-per-view around the corner, Crockett decided to give McMahon a taste of his own medicine. He would develop his own pay-per-view caliber event and air it for free on TBS. The result will be Clash of the Champions. On March 27, 1988, the same night as WrestleMania, the first Clash of Champions aired. The first show was of pay-per-view caliber, and it made Sting a star after he wrestled NWA World Champion Nature Boy Ric Flair to a 45-minute draw. WCW would repeat the practice again the following year with a clash coinciding with WrestleMania 5. Although the main event of NWA champion Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeating Nature Boy Ric Flair in a best 2 out of 3 falls match was widely considered the best wrestling match that took place among the two promotions on that day, ratings and attendance for the event fell well below expectations, and the practice of conflicting major events would cease until the Monday Night Wars began in 1995. Clash events continued on in a sporadic fashion over the next nine years, quickly changing focus to becoming a free marketing vehicle for NWA-slash-WCW pay-per-view events, similar to WWF Saturday night's main event, WCW aired the 35th and final Clash of the Champions on August 21st, 1997. The good, the bad, and the ugly. TBS presents Clash 10, Texas Shootout. You 
run for cover at the six-man steel cage match. Bear witness to the most awesome onslaught since the Alamo. Not since the OK Corral has there been such a gathering of young guns. The good, the bad, and the ugly meet at the edge of town. Tuesday night, 8.05 Eastern on TBS. Like I stated at the top of our program, we're going to look back at arguably, it's hard to even argue, the greatest match in Clash of the Champions history. Just a note of some of the major title changes in Clash history in which you can go back via the WWE Network. Also, there's YouTube and Daily Motion to look back at these major title changes that took place in Clash history. The first ever Clash of Champions, the NWA Tag Team Championship, we saw it change hands as Lex Luger and Barry Windham defeated Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Take a look back at that one. Clash of Champions 4 for the United States Tag Team Championship. I always love those red tag team belts for some reason. The Fantastics beat Eddie Gilbert and Ron Simmons in a tournament final for the vacant championship. On that very same show, the NWA Six-Man Tag Team Championship changed hands as the Road Warrior version of Road Warrior Animal beat Dusty Rhodes via DQ to gain control of the titles. NWA Tag Team Championships would change hands as well at Clash of Champions 6, in which Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Mike Rotunda beat the Road Warriors. At Clash number 7, the tag titles again would change hands with the Freebirds beating the Midnight Express in a tournament final for the vacant championships. Then fast forward to Clash of Champions 16, tag team titles changing hands, this time WCW version of tag team titles, as Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko would defeat Rick Steiner and Bill Kazmaier in the tournament final for another vacant championship tournament. Then the next event, Clash of Champions 17, Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes beat Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko for the tag team titles. The U.S. title, that same show, would change hands as Rick Rude defeated Sting. Clash of Champions 20, Ricky Steamboat defeated Stunning Steve Austin for the television championship. WCW and NWA Tag Team Champions would change hands as Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas beat Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes at number 21 of Clash of Champions history. Then Clash 24... Those same tag titles would change hands with Arn Anderson and Paul Roma. The very <laughs> unhistoric version of the Horsemen would beat Steve Austin and Steven Regal, who was subbing in for Brian Pillman at the time of the Hollywood Blondes. That same show, the TV title would change hands as Ricky Steamboat would beat Paul Orndorff. Then Clash of Champions 27 would see two title changes with the television title of Steven Regal defeating Larry Zbysko and the WCW World and International Championships. This is when they had the two world titles back in the company's grabs, where WCW World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair beat WCW International Champion Sting to unify the titles. The big gold belt would return under the international aim and be combined with the newly modified WCW title after it came back from the World Wrestling Federation. The next event, Clash 28, saw the United States title change hands as Ricky Steamboat defeated stunning Steve Austin. Then, on Clash 29, the tag team titles would once again change hands with Marcus Alexander Bagwell and the Patriot defeating Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma. 
Then Clash 34, the Cruiserweight title, would make its way onto the program, changing hands as Dean Malenko defeated the Ultimo Dragon. Then Clash 35, the final clash to be seen, the United States title of Steve Mongo McMichael defeating Double J and Jeff Jarrett. Then the TV title would change hands as Alex Wright would defeat Ultimo Dragon. With all those title changes in history, with all the matches in history, in which we'll wrap up the show with some, I think, famous or popular matches from the Clash era. Quite obviously, that was the plan you were talking about earlier in the night. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but if you don't succeed the first time, try, try again. And that's what we're prepared to do, Flair and Sting, is keep trying, make as many beachheads as it takes, because sooner or later, it will work. We had you down, but you got off easy this time. Hey, wait a minute, Gary, come back here, Gary. Don't worry about it. The man is hurt bad. Did you see what he did to him? Well, you're branding iron. Did you see what he did to him? Yes. That was uncalled for. It was unsportsmanlike and everything. And he's hurt bad. Well, I don't know what he knows about sportsmanship anyway. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, I don't know how much time we have left here, but no doubt, as Punk goes up in the crowd, there's, there's got to be a broken arm, and I'm sure the paramedics are back there now with Dick Slater. We'll have a report on that tomorrow night on the NWA main event right here on Superstation TBS. But it looks like it's all boiling down to the Clash of Champions 8, Tuesday night, September the 12th, 8.05 Eastern Time, live, prime time and free, here on TBS, the Superstation. Mark that date on your calendar, because that's what it's going to be. Flair and Sting, Funk and Muda, finally, in that tag team event. We'll talk more about it tomorrow night on the main event. And remember, next week, right here on the Superstation, join us for the Power Hour Friday night, and we'll see you next Saturday night for World Championship Wrestling. It's time to break down the greatest match in Clash of the Champions history. The year was 1988. Enigma versus Enigma from the very first Clash of the Champions. The Nature Boy Ric Flair versus the now Icon Sting. At that time, he was not an icon. This match, some historians, experts, and, and analysts would say, this match made Sting the Hall of Famer that he became to this very day. Ric Flair made Sting that night. We'll break down the backstory for both superstars, the match itself, and the aftermath after this award-winning, yes, it was given some awards from wrestling experts, and we'll break down why this made Sting's career. Lives by pride, wins by pain. Sting. Come on! The hottest name in wrestling today. Feared by mortal men, adored by fans. Two incredible forces collide for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. The Superstation presents Clash of the Champions, live and free of charge. 4 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, March 27th. Ric Flair, Sting. We all know who these men are. They revolutionized the wrestling business in the 1990s and are still participating in the wrestling world in some sort of way or form. At the first ever Clash of the Champions, these two outstanding performers, entertainers, and perhaps most importantly, wrestlers had such a tremendous match 
that it is still remembered 30 years afterwards. What's this now sing, I think? Nothing more than the party crasher himself. And I'm ready to crash some more parties. You know, I embarrass Flair like I always say now. And I can't think of a better thing to do right now than to party some more. So, Flair, I know you're in the building somewhere. So let me show you what a real party is all about. Oh! Come on, show me. See what you got, Ricky, baby. Get in my face. I guess he doesn't want to come. He's in He's here somewhere. You walk around. I guess Rick might. You think maybe he's afraid of you? Oh, I can imagine he's probably doing just a little bit of sweating back there. He'll probably end up. Same old story. Same old. Tired of coming out here. I don't have any champagne in my hand. There's no. You got a problem, pal. And what we have, and this phrase is overused. You have got a failure to understand, my friend, that you don't walk out here in front of the whole world. You keep your mouth shut, punk. You don't walk out here in front of the whole world and for one second try and intimate that you think you're ready for me. I will make that decision. I've said it a thousand times. I'm Ric Flair. I'm the world champion. You are a pump death. Nothing happening. Overstuffed punk from the gym that doesn't know what it is. Don't wear alligator shoe. You understand? Huh? The work cut them in clothes. Don't ride limousine. They have the whole world at your feet because you're the best there is. So you don't ever make a mistake of walking out here and implying that you can be where I've been for five years. I'm the world champion, brother, and I'm addressing you as a punk whose mother and father didn't have the brains or the knowledge or the class in this life to even give you a name. Sting, what kind of a name? Singer's got him up high over his head. Flair insulted the thing, let him have with everything in the book. And finally, Sting could not handle it any longer. And now he is trying to manhandle the heavyweight champion of the world, and he is doing it. And here come the horsemen at the summons of J.J. Dillon. The horsemen are out. We're talking about Anderson, Blanchard, Flair, and now Wyndham, Luger. They're all in there. Luger, Wyndham is seeing against the four horsemen. Flair over the top. The horsemen are gone. They're out of the ring. The heavyweight champion of the world is living at Sting. Flair is beside himself here. He went with a chair. The chair taken away from him. The horsemen held it back. This is a very volatile situation. Wyndham, Luger, and Sting, and the four horsemen 
The blood is boiling hot right here. We gotta go. Let's relive the backstories of both stars. In 1974, Ric Flair joined the National Wrestling Alliance. The following year, Flair would obtain his first singles championship in the NWA, capturing the Mid-Atlantic television title from Paul Jones. About seven months later, on October 4th, the Nature Boy would find himself in a plane crash. As the plane neared the Wilmington International Airport in southeastern North Carolina, the plane began running out of gas, eventually crashing into several trees and a utility pole a couple miles away from the airplane's design runway. It was later revealed that the 26-year-old Ric Flair had broken his back in three different places and had several lacerations to boot. Compared to other passengers of the plane, such as the pilot, who was in a six-week coma before passing away, and John Valentine, who was paralyzed for life as a result, Flair was extremely lucky to still be alive. Flair eventually overcame the plane crash, returning to the ring less than a year later, being forced to change his style in the ring because of the injuries suffered in the fatal crash. Flair would adapt to a new in-ring style, which is one that he mostly used during his prime years. On July 29th of 1977, Ric Flair would acquire his first NWA United States Heavyweight Championship from Bobo Brazil at a house show in Richmond, Virginia holding it for 84 days before dropping it to fellow and current WWE Hall of Famer Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on October 21st of the same year. Four years later, Flair captured his first ever NWA World Heavyweight Championship, holding it for 476 days before losing it to Harley Race on June 10th of 1983. Flair would go on to hold the NWA World title for 10 times, a record that no other wrestler has beaten to this very day. Cementing himself as a top dog in the NWA, Flair would form the Four Horsemen in 1986 with A. Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, and Tully Blanchard, along with their manager, James J. Dillon. This groundbreaking stable would go on to have rivalries with other top stars in the NWA at the time, such as Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors. A year later, in 1987, Ole Anderson was kicked out of the Horsemen and replaced by the upstarting total package Lex Luger, who would later be kicked out himself. At the first ever Clash of Champions event, Luger would team up with Barry Windham to defeat Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, who were still members of the Horsemen at the time, to capture the NWA's tag team titles. Now, from the established star known as the World Heavyweight Champion Nature Boy Ric Flair to an up-and-coming star known simply as a man called Sting. In the early stages of his wrestling career, not much was known about the man we currently call Sting. Steve Borden, going under the name of Flash, formed a tag team with Jim Justice, who he all know now to be legendary former WWF superstar and Hall of Famer, the Ultimate Warrior, the Blade Runners, 
as they were collectively known upon a heel turn, worked mid-southern territories at the time, such as the Universal Wrestling Federation, the UWF. Jim Justice would eventually depart from the UWF around the mid-1986 time frame, causing Sting to join a heel stable, which consisted of Rick Steiner, Eddie Gilbert, and his valet, Missy Hyatt. While in Gilbert's stable, Sting would win the UWF World Tag Team Championship three times, twice with Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert and another with Rick Steiner. Sting would hold the UWF World Tag Team titles three times during his career, matching the Wild Samoans record in the UWF. A young upstart, Sting would turn face by allying himself with Chris Adams against Terry Taylor and his former ally, Eddie Gilbert. Sting was booked to win the UWF television title in late 1987, but instead, the National Wrestling Alliance came a-calling and bought the UWF. And not wanting Sting to look weak by having a transitional title reign, this did not happen. A supporter of his since the NWA bought UWF, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, put Sting in the opening match of the fifth ever Starcade event, teaming him with Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, the newer version of the Freebirds, against Larry Zbysko and Sting's former allies in the UWF, Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert, and Rick Steiner. Sting's first NWA pay-per-view match ended up in a 15-minute time limit draw, just as his team was about to get the pinfall victory. As Sting rose through the ranks of the NWA, beating superstars such as the Sheep Herders, more commonly known, of course, as the Bushwhackers, Sting also began rolling up crowd support with his charismatic personality and his always improving in-ring arsenal. In early 1988, Sting issued a challenge to the NWA world champion, Nature Boy Ric Flair, which would happen at the first ever Clash of the Champions event that was going head-to-head with WrestleMania IV. Let's look at the match itself. In the right corner, sporting purple tights with white boots, was Ric Flair, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Remember to add the S. It's the world's heavyweight champion, as the title would say. Flair's manager and ally at the time, J.J. Dillon, was suspended above the ring in a cage, allowing him to keep a close eye on the action without interfering on Ric Flair's behalf. In the left corner was Sting, donning black tights adorned with yellow scorpions, watching at ringside with five judges for this match. Jason Hervey, Sandy Scott, Ken Osmond, Gary Juster, and Patty Mullen. As both competitors jawed with each other, the referee rang the bell and the action was underway. The finish of the match led to an exciting minute two minutes, final seconds of action. Within a minute left in the time limit of the match, Sting grabs both of the legs of the Nature Boy, 
twists them and turns them all the way around to Flair on his back with 25 seconds left. The Scorpion Deathlock is locked in. Can Flair hold on? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Flair is screaming in pain. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The bell rings. Flair didn't tap, and now it's up to the five judges at ringside to decide who the winner of this match is, this amazing bout. Not only will they decide the winner, but they will also decide who the new or still NWA World Heavyweight Champion would be. All before the night is over. As the judges discuss between each other, J.J. Dillon, Flair's manager and advisor, lowered, was lowered down to the ring from the birdcage in which he was trapped in. Birdcage, now called a shark cage, to ensure that no shenanigans... Would it sue in this match? JJ was lower. Now the match was over, of course. After a brief pause, both competitors were back up to their feet. The referee and ring announcer were also in the ring to announce the winner and NWA heavyweight champion of the world. As the judges discussed between each other, JJ Dillon's cage would be lowered. After a brief pause, both competitors were back up to their feet. The referee and ring announcer were also in the ring to announce the winner and NWA heavyweight champion of the world. Patty Mullen has voted for the nature boy, Ric Flair. Big boos from the crowd would ensue. Gary Juster has scored the match for Sting, which evoked a positive crowd reaction. The third judge, Sandy Scott, has declared the match a draw. No reaction for that one. Therefore, by the decision of the three judges, this match has been declared a draw. None of the other judges had apparently casted in their votes. Still, NWA heavyweight champion of the world, the nature boy Ric Flair. Sting was livid, and so was the crowd. On the other hand, however, J.J. Dillon and Ric Flair were ecstatic as the NWA Heavyweight Championship of the World will remain with the Four Horsemen. Flair eventually leaves the ring with his advisor, J.J. Dillon, in tow and goes to the back as Sting remains in the ring, furious over the decision made by the five celebrity judges. The final minute seconds of that match was so dramatic. The fans were on their feet, People watching on television were going crazy. What an exciting, exciting period in television. The aftermath of this event, tremendous. Following their first historic match at Clash of the Champions, Flair and Sting have had many, many different battles over the last few years. After the Clash, both men competed against each other at house shows. More times throughout the year than you could even count with Flair walking out still wearing the NWA title every single time. Later in the year, 
Sting, this would be in 1988, Sting would feud with Flair's fellow four horsemen, brothers in arms. Tully Blanchard and the enforcer Arn Anderson were the two major competitors for the Stinger. At the Great American Bash pay-per-view event, Sting teamed up with Nikita Koloff to take on Arn Anderson and Blanchard in a match with a 20-minute time limit. Eerily very similar to his match with Flair, Sting had the Scorpion Deathlock applied on Blanchard when the time limit had expired. Since there were no judges for this match, Blanchard and Anderson retained the titles. Again, Sting was left without gold. To kick off the year in 1989, Sting had a one-hour bout versus Flair in Atlanta. The two once again put on a masterpiece only for the match to end in a draw. Flair and Sting's pass would cross again at the 1989 Great American Bash event, where Flair was wrestling Terry Funk in a match for the NWA Heavyweight Championship of the World. Flair would retain his title in this grueling match, which the Great Muda, one of Funk's stablemates in Gary Hart's J Tex Corp, we discussed earlier on in the season, jumped Flair from behind and began putting the boots to him. Always the hero, Sting rushed to Flair's aid, surprisingly. Flair and Sting would feud with the Great Muda and Terry Funk during the year, and Sting and Nature Boy being victorious, actually, over Muda and the Funker in a Thunderdome match at that year's Halloween Havoc televised event. This alliance with Flair would cause Sting to actually join the newly reformed Four Horsemen alongside Ric Flair. In the group were Ole Anderson and Arn Anderson. Sting ended 1989 by defeating Flair at Starcade with a roll-up to earn the number one contendership right for Ric Flair's NWA title. Fearing a title loss, Flair and the Andersons would expel Sting from the group. After suffering a, suffering a legitimate knee injury, Sting's quest for the title was momentarily derailed. But not for long. Sting would capture his first NWA World Heavyweight Championship at the 1990 Great American Bash after countering Flair's patented figure four leg lock into a small package. During Sting's NWA Heavyweight title run, a new face emerged in the NWA ranks called the Black Scorpion. The Black Scorpion and Sting would feud for months before Sting would Bet would beat and best the Black Scorpion with a flying crossbody, with a flying crossbody, I should say, at the 1990 Starcade. Post match, Sting would reveal the Black Scorpion to be none other than the Nature Boy Ric Flair himself. On January 11th, 1991, Sting's championship, his reign would come to an end as he was defeated by the very man he beat in Starcade, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. After a few years without any notable contact, Sting would beat Big Van Vader for the WCW International Championship. WCW had split away from the NWA at this point, thus explaining the title name change. At the 1994 Clash of the Champions event, the WCW International Champion Sting would battle WCW World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair in a title unification match in which Flair won ending the existence of the WCW International title. On the first ever WCW Monday Nitro, 
Sting would battle Flair in yet another match that would end with Flair defeating Sting by disqualification after Arn Anderson attacked Flair in the middle of the bout. In late 1995, Flair convinced the still babyface Sting to team with him against Anderson and Pillman. This was Flying Brian Pillman. Late in the match, Flair turned heel, betraying Sting once again and reforming the Four Horsemen, this time with Pillman, Anderson, together with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Late in the match, late in the match, Flair turned heel, betraying Sting once again and reforming the Four Horsemen with Pillman, Anderson, and Chris Benoit all together. Sting would then relentlessly attack Flair during a match on Nitro, locking the Scorpion Deathlock in until Sting's on-screen ally at the time, Lex Luger, convinced him to let him go and leave the dirtiest player in the game in rubble. So from the early days of Nitro to the end of Nitro's history in 2001, and perhaps one of Sting and Flair's most famous matches, not the greatest, but the most one of the most famous between the two, happened on the very last edition of Monday Nitro, where Sting and Flair battled against each other again, with Sting making Flair submit via the Scorpion Deathlock. Both rivals would then hug, of course, the quote, hug it out post-match, honoring WCW and, it, and its last event ever separated from WWE. The nature boy and the icon Flair and Sting would go on to have arguably the greatest rivalry in professional wrestling history, if not one of the greatest in wrestling history, all stemming from that night at the very first ever Clash of the Champions event. Although it was a stellar bout, some would feel that it may not be for everyone. Some people might get bored with the repetitive moves and the fact that there aren't many high spots or flashy spots in the match. However, the story Sting and Flair tell is amazing. Sting is the up-and-coming flashy star who is looking to cement himself, while Flair is the top dog who looks to remain as the top dog for his heel stable. Sting brings the power game to the match, and Flair, who usually matches or has superior strength than his opponent or uses his mental quote-unquote capacity to Spartan to be, to be mentally stronger than his opponent, had to resort to methodically attacking body parts throughout his match. Although the action is good for the first 30 minutes of the match, nothing big, you can say, yet the crowd reacts to every move that these two in-ring masters do making it such a great environment to be in. For an example, I can see for modern day wrestling within the past 10 years, you could say you could see the CM Punk versus John Cena match at the 2011 money in the bank where uh, I mean, a dead crowd killing a great match, making an unbelievable crowd making a subpar match seem unbelievable. I myself would highly recommend this match for those who like a classic style of wrestling and for those who are looking to get to know more about professional wrestling. If you're a fan of rivalries and building up storylines and just the, the being enamored with the crowd involvement in a match, 
this is a match for you. This match made Sting. The legacy of this match is still around today, and all these reasons are why some would feel, and I feel, this was the greatest match in Clash of the Champions history. The competitors were into it. The crowd was into it, and it was full of great, simple action. Sometimes simple works best, and this match was simple, but it was so effective. Ric Flair versus Sting. Go back and relive it, fans. You can go back on the network. It's not a plug for the network. You can check it out if you have it on DVD, VHS. Clash of Champions 1, Ric Flair versus Sting, competing with the WWF. Having this match on quote-unquote free TV, what a match, and will go down as one of the greats, not just in Clash history, but in professional wrestling history. Most of these matches against Rick, they were, they were all the same. They were, they were the same. I can remember having these talks with Rick, you know, after the, like, 900th time working with him. I can remember saying, Rick, I mean, we got to change it up. We got to change it up. You know? <laughs> and then he'd tell me the story about him when he was younger watching Ray Stevens, you know. He said, if I went to watch Ray Stevens wrestle and if he didn't do his deal in the turnbuckle and flip over the top like that, I felt like I got ripped off. So he said, I want to give him all of that, you know, and more. (laughs) And so we did, it wasn't the exact same thing, but it was a lot of, you know, I mean, think of how many times we did work together. I mean, how how much more creative can you get? Uh, Because, you know, with Rick, you know, we're not going to have, you know, ladders or, you know, brawls up into the audience or anything. Rick didn't like that kind of stuff. I, li- I like that. I like to do all that, you know. But Rick, you know, he wanted to have just, you know, a wrestling match in the ring. And so, you know, how much can you do after about a thousand? I, we had to wrestle thousands of times. Here comes Flair going for the figure four. Seems done. Inside cradle. Can this be all? That was electric that night, I remember. Baltimore was always that way, but that was pretty intense. Retro fans, I want to go back now and take a look and relive the extensive history of the Clash of Champions, or Clash of the Champions, now known as Clash of Champions, took out the the. I'd like to take you back to review the events in chronological order and some of the matches to tune into or some of the most memorable moments from those specific events. Like we just talked about, Clash of the Champions won. It was March 27, 1988. Of course, check out the Ric Flair Sting 45-minute time limit draw match. Also, there was a college rules match for the NWA TV title, in which Mike Rotunda beat Jimmy Garvin. Check that out. Also, a barbed wire match with the Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes, being the Powers of Pain and Ivan Koloff. Then Clash of Champions went into a themed mode in which they would have a specialty theme or name for each event. Kind of what In Your House did going forward, making In Your House Bad Blood, etc. In which Clash of the Champions 2, Miami Mayhem took place, of course, in Miami, Florida. 
The NWA Tag Team titles were on the line, like I stated Tully, earlier on. Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson took on Sting and Dusty Rhodes to a double DQ. Clash of the Champions 3. This was the introduction to Fall Brawl in the promotion, which would then become a separate pay-per-view in itself. This was in Albany, Georgia in 1988. This was September 7th. Sting beat United States champion Barry Windham by disqualification. There was a Russian chain match with Ricky Morton defeating Ivan Koloff. Clash of Champions 4, Seasons Beatings. I always love that name. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, in December 7th of 1988, Ric Flair and Barry Windham beat the Midnight Express. Also, the six-man tag team championship on the line. Ivan Koloff, with one arm behind his back, beat Paul Jones. Wednesday, the city streets will not be safe because... Sting, Lex Luger, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rick Steiner, the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette, and in the United States Tag Team Championship, the Varsity Club versus the Fantastics. They'll be breaking more than just hearts when Superstation TBS presents Clash of the Champions 5, the St. Valentine's Massacre. Live, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday... Then Clash of the Champions 5, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which be used by the WWE slash WWF. But this was the WSW version of the massacre, Clash of Champions 5 in Cleveland, Ohio. This was 1989 on February 15th. The six-man tag team titles on the line. The Road Warriors and Tenru would wrestle to a no contest against Sting, Michael Hayes, and the Junkyard Dog. Clash of the Champions 6, Rage and Cajun, of course, in New Orleans, would make sense. This was April 2nd, 1989. The Samoan SWAT team would beat the Minette Express. Bob Orton would make his presence known, defeating Dick Murdoch. The Junkyard Dog beating Butch Reed. And Lex Luger would defend, would be battling for the United States title, defeating Jack Victory. The best of three falls for the NWA title. Ricky Steamboat defeating Ric Flair 2-1. I suggest going back to look at that match. Clash of the Champions 7, Guts and Glory from Fayetteville, North Carolina. This was July 14th of 89. The tag team title semifinal, the Freebirds defeating the Dynamic Dudes. Of course, Johnny Ace would be involved. The NWA tag team tournament final would be the Freebirds being the Midnight Express. And then Ricky Steamboat defeating Terry Funk by disqualification. Norman the Lunatic would be involved, beating Mike Justice. And the tag team titles, like I stated, would be decided. But then the TV title would be decided as well, with Sting defeating Bill Irwin. Then you look back at Fall Brawl once again with Clash of the Champions 8 in Columbia, South Carolina on September 12th of 89. Sting and Flair beat Dick Slater and Great Muda by DQ. After the match, Terry Funk put the infamous plastic bag over Ric Flair's head. Then there was Clash of the Champions 9, New York Knockout from Troy, New York on November 15, 1989. An I Quit match for the NWA Championship. Ric Flair would defeat Terry Funk. Go check out that one. Quote, unquote, this was what was hardcore before hardcore was cool. The good, the bad, and the ugly. TBS presents Clash 10, Texas Shootout. You will run for cover at the six-man steel cage match. Bad Dog, we're going to see you and your Kung Fu Fighter Sundown, Texas Shootout. Here we go, the Clash 
Buddha, you bring that rickshaw, baby, because after all the blood, sweat, and tears, you can pile all three of you right to the hospital. Bear witness to the most awesome onslaught since the Alamo. A world tag team title match squaring off the Steiner brothers against despicable desperados, Doom. Doom. Only outlaws and ugly men hide behind masks like cowards. Come February 6th in Corpus Christi, Texas. Me and my brother are going to beat you guys one, two, three, and show the world how ugly you really are. Yeah, to back it up, we're going to put the world tag team belts on the line too, you sissies. Scotty Steiner, you and your idiot brother, Rick, your titles are in jeopardy, and your lives are in trouble, and your fate is doomed. Norman, the horse cartwright of the wrestling ring, buys for victory with vile villain Kevin Sullivan. Norman, this town isn't big enough for both of us. It's not even big enough for you. <laughs> Desperado Dr. Death Steve Williams will be out to pound this Polynesian, but the Samoan will try to prove he's no average savage. TBS presents Clash 10, Texas Shootout, live. The good, the bad, and the ugly meet at the edge of town. Tuesday night, February 6th, 8.05 Eastern on TBS. Clash of Champions 10, Texas Shootout from Corpus Christi, Texas. This would be February 6th, 1990. A cage match, Ric Flair with Ole and Arn Anderson defeating Buzz Sawyer, Great Muda, and Dragon Master. This where Sting injured his leg when he tried to enter the cage, causing him to be out for several months. Then there was Clash number 11, Coastal Crush, from Charleston, South Carolina, June 13, 1990. The U.S. champ Lex Luger beat Sid Vicious. Then the, champions, the tag team champions, Doom, beat the Steiner Brothers. Paul Orndorff would battle Arn Anderson, and then the NWA title would be decided with the Junkyard Dog defeating Ric Flair by disqualification, as Flair would still be champion. Then Fall Brawl would return once again with Clash number 12 from Asheville, North Carolina, September 5th, 1990. For the NWA title, Sting would defeat the Black Scorpion. The Nasty Boys made their presence known, defeating Jackie Fulton and Terry Taylor. Then there was Thanksgiving Thunder, Clash. Thanksgiving is a time of togetherness, a time of family fellowship, a time of thunder. Tuesday night, TBS presents a live Clash of the Champions Spectacular. Witness Sting, Flair, Luger, and a caged Black Scorpion. Eleven main courses in all. There's a storm on the horizon. Thanksgiving Thunder, live at 8.05 Eastern on TBS, Tuesday night. Number 13, from Jacksonville, Florida. This was on November 20th, 1990. Tom Zink would defeat Brian Lee, Tony Schiavone's favorite, and Ric Flair would defeat Butch Reed. The U.S. Tag Team titles, Steiner Brothers would defeat Magnum Force, and Sid Vicious would defeat the Night Stalker. Not an infamous event, to say the least. For 10 years, I've been the world heavyweight champion. Often imitated, never duplicated. This is the real deal. Woo! TV 
CBS proudly presents world champion Ric Flair in his first televised title defense against the young, hungry, and dangerous Scott Steiner. Clash of the Champions, Dixie Dynamite. Live at 8.05 featured on TBS Wednesday night, January 30th. Clash number 14, Dixie Dynamite from Gainesville, Georgia. January 30th, 1991. Sting and Luger would beat the Tag Team Champions Doom by disqualification. If you just want to see those four individuals in the ring together, check out that one. For the WCW World Championship, the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Scott Steiner fought to a time limit draw. Then I think one of the most notable matches, you could say, would be the arm wrestling match between Missy Hyatt defeating Paul E. Dangerously. Check out that one, folks. Wednesday night, live, TBS presents Clash of the Champions 15, Knoxville, USA. Don't miss a brutal grudge match as Sting takes on the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Total package Lex Luger tries to harness the Great Buddha. And in the main event, beautiful Bobby against Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. Clash of the Champions 15, Knoxville, USA. Live at 8.05 Eastern, Wednesday night, exclusively on TBS. Clash of the Champions 15 in Knoxville, Tennessee, June 14th, 91. Best of three falls match for the WCW title. Check out Ric Flair defeating Bobby Eaton 2-1. to one. Again, not a flashy match, but shows how good Bobby Eaton was. If you want to see a stunning version of Stone Cold Steve Austin for the TV title, Steve Austin beat Joey Maggs, and then U.S. title holder Lex Luger defeated the Great Muda. A loser leaves town match in which Barry Windham and Arn Anderson beat Brian Pillman and El Gigante. As a result, Pillman must leave WCW at the time. Sting would defeat Nikita Koloff, and Dustin Rhodes would face Terrence Taylor. I also remember this is one of the, for some reason, one of the early 90s WCW events I remember, you know, in which Oz, remember Kevin Nash's Oz character, would beat Tommy Rich, and Dan Spivey, the Whalen Mercy Dan Spivey, defeating Big, Big Josh, who would turn out to be Doink the Clown. And then the Young Pistols and Tom Zink would beat the Freebirds. Such an odd card, but I suggest go check out Flair versus Eaton. Two out of three falls match. Fall Brawl would again return for Clash 16 in Augusta, Georgia, September 5th, 1991. September 5th, live. Only the brave are invited. Only the best will survive. 12 men, one ring. It's fight or fall. Who will be king of the Battle Royal? Plus, Sting, Johnny B. Bad, for the first time ever, Wild Styles combined. Ten outrageous matches, 150 minutes of pure punishment. Clash of the Champions, Fall Brawl Mighty One. Live Thursday, September 5th at 8.05 Eastern, only on TBS. Style, the semifinals in which Brian Pillman would beat Bad Street. Sting would defeat Johnny B. Bad, the U.S. title on the line. Ricky Morton would beat Mike Graham in the semifinal of the light heavyweight tournament. The Freebirds would beat the WCW Patriots. And also, we would see the Diamond Studs, Scott Hall, in action as he lost to Ron Simmons. The WCW Tag title, tag Tournament final, easy for me to say, would take place as Arn Anderson and Zabisco. Larry Z would defeat Scott Steiner and Bill Kazmier to win the tag team titles. Live, November 19th. 
There's no time for fear, only action. Lex Luger, Rick Steiner for the World Heavyweight Championship. Plus, the living legend, Sting. The arrogance of Rick Rude. Power and destiny collide. Also, Van Hammer, PN News, and more. Primetime pain on Clash of the Champions. Live November 19th at 8.05 Eastern, exclusively on TBS. Flash 17 from the Civic Center in Savannah, Georgia. No major name for this event now. This is when they start to drop from the themed events. Would take place November 19th of 91. A lumberjack match, of course, with Big Josh involved, the lumberjack, against Thomas Rich. Bobby Ian defeated Firebreaker Chip. And then for the WCW World Championship, Lex Luger defeated Rick Steiner. And like we stated in the previous Clash of Champions event, the light heavyweight championship was involved in the promotion in which the then champion Brian Pillman would defeat Johnny B. Bad. And you could check out stunning Steve Austin defeating PN News for the TV title. It's time for the wrestling event, Clash of the Champions. The ultimate tag team collision. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Steve. Ravishing Rick Rude and stunning Steve. Plus, Metal Madness, Bad Hammer, Cactus Chat. It's an old-fashioned free-for-all. Clash of the Champions. Live, 8.05 Eastern, Tuesday night on TBS. Then there was Clash of Champions 18 from the Expo Center in Topeka, Kansas. This was in 1992, January 21st. Sting and Ricky Steamboat defeated Steve Austin and Rick Rude. Vinny Vegas would show up, another version of Kevin Nash. Oz was gone, and there was Vinny Vegas as he defeated Thomas Rich. Diamond Dallas Page would be seen in the, in the Clash of Champions as PNUs defeated DDP. And then the Steiners would beat Big Van Vader and Mr. Hughes. But then Sting and Ricky Steamboat would defeat Steve Austin and Rick Rude, a primetime spot for Steve Austin at this time. Clash of Champions 19 in Charleston, South Carolina, June 16th of 92. Just a note here, every match but the final was a first-round bout for the vacant NWA World Tag Team Championship. So this was a tag team theme event in which the quarterfinal round match would be Terry Gordy and Steve Williams defeating the Steiner Brothers. Clash of Champions 20, the 20th anniversary, was the theme. Center stage in Atlanta, Georgia, September 2nd, 92, in which there was an elimination tag team match. Jake Roberts, Rick Rude, Big Van Vader, and the Super Invader defeated Sting, Nikita Koloff, and the Steiner Brothers. For the WCW World title, then-champion Ron Simmons would defeat Cactus Jack. Also, for the television title, Ricky Steamboat would defeat Steve Austin to win the championship. I suggest going back to that match as well, because this was Ricky Steamboat's final stages, final portion of his in-ring career. Then there was the 21st edition of The Clash. Medusa and Paulie dangerously fought <laughs> to a five-minute five draw. Then there was the King of Cable semifinals. Sting beating Rick Rude by judge's decision. The NWA and WCW tag team titles, Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas beat Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham to win the championship. There was also a boxing match between Scotty Flamingo and Johnny B. Bad. You can check out the early young Raven taking on Mark Merrow. 
Also, check out Brian Pillman versus Brad Armstrong. Very underrated performer is Brad Armstrong in there with Flying Brian. Live Wednesday, January 13th, Clash of the Champions, the quickness of Team Sting, the power of Team Vader, an eight-man battle of endurance and guts, the Thunder Cage match, plus wrestling's dream team of Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas prepare for a Flying Brian Stunning Steve nightmare, the World Tag Team Championship. Clash of the Champions, live Wednesday, January 13th, exclusively on TBS. Then number 22, Cactus Jack, defeating Johnny B. Bad. An arm wrestling match between Vinny Vegas and Tony Atlas. Check that one out. And then, like I mentioned earlier, the Thunderdome cage match with Sting, Dustin Rhodes, and Cactus Jack defeating Big Van Vader, Paul Orndorff, and Barry Windham. Live Thursday night, Clash of the Champions. He once ruled WCW with an iron fist. And now, I'm back! Woo! Yes, Ric Flair has returned. Did you miss me? <laughs> the Nature Boy and Arn Anderson take on the Hollywood Blondes. The Hollywood who? On Clash of the Champions. Live 805 Eastern Thursday night only on TBS. Don't be late. Number 23 was from the Scope in Norfolk, Virginia. June 17, 93. Dick Slater would be in action as he lost to Ron Simmons. The NWA World Championship was on the line as champion Barry Windham would defeat two cold Scorpio. In an interesting combination of a six-man tag, Big Van Vader, Sid Vicious, and Rick Rude beat Dustin Rhodes, Sting, and Davey Boy Smith. Then the best of three falls matched two out of three for the NWA and WCW Tag Team Championships. Ric Flair and Arnold Anderson beat Brian Pillman and Steve Austin 2-0, but didn't win the titles because one of the falls was by disqualification. Yes, that was WCW, but I'd suggest to check that event out to just see Flair and Anderson in the ring with Austin and Pillman. Clash of Champions 24 from Daytona Beach in Florida, August 18th, 1993. WCW and NWA Tag Team Championships on the line. Arn Anderson and Paul Roma defeating Steve Austin and Steve Regal. Like I stated earlier, subbing in for Brian Pillman to win the tag team titles. Hawk and Dustin Rhodes beat The Equalizer and Rick Rude. Very odd pairing. Sting and Ric Flair would team up to defeat the Colossal Kings. And then for the TV title, Ricky Steamboat beat Paul Orndorff to win the championship. Then for the WSW title, Big Van Vader defeated the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Live Thursday night, check your beer at the door. It's Clash of the Champions. Number 25 was from St. Petersburg, Florida, keeping with the Florida theme from the previous event. November 10th, 93, Ric Flair would defend the world title against Big Van Vader and win by disqualification. And Steve Austin would battle Brian Pillman at this event. I suggest checking out for that match. The Shockmaster would also beat the Equalizer. Check it out for the Shockmaster at the Clash. There is great news at World Championship Wrestling. Thursday night, live. It's the sports story of the year. The legendary Hulk Hogan unveils his plans for an unprecedented return to the ring. I will go down in the WCW history books 
as the greatest of all time. Plus, Flair takes on Sting for the World Unified title. And three more big championship bouts. Flash of the Champions. Live Thursday night at 8.05 Eastern, only on TBS. Then there was Clash of the Champions 26 for Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This was in 94 now, January 27th. For the TV title, Steve Regal, the champion, and Dustin Rhodes would fight to a draw. Where the loser would wear a chicken suit, Brian Pillman would defeat Colonel Robert Parker. And then in an elimination match, Sting and Flair defeated Vader and Rick Rude. 27 would take place again in 94, June 24th. For the TV title, Regal defeated Larry Zbysko to win the championship. Johnny B. Bad defeated Steve Austin by disqualification, but Austin would retain the U.S. title. And then check out this event just to see the unification of the WCW World and International titles, where champ Ric Flair, world champ Ric Flair would defeat international champ Sting to unify both belts. Excuse me, championships. Clash of the Champions, 28. Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 94 once again, August 24th. For the WCW title, Ric Flair defeated Hulk Hogan by countout. And Antonio Noki made his presence in the, at this event, defeating Steve Regal. Dusty and Dustin Rhodes would team up to defeat Terry Funk and Buckhouse Buck by disqualification. But check out Hulk Hogan's Clash debut at this event, number 28. Then 29 would see Mr. T as the special guest referee in which Hulk Hogan, Sting, and David Sullivan beat the Butcher, Avalanche, and Kevin Sullivan. The Dungeon of Doom versus the Hulkster Squad. The Honky Tonk Man was also impre- was present at this event, going for the TV title, losing to Johnny B. Bad. Then we go to Clash of the Champions 30. For the TV title, Arn Anderson would defeat Johnny B. Bad. For the tag team titles, Harlem Heat would beat Stars and Stripes. Sting beat Avalanche, a.k.a. Earthquake, in a match where the Guardian Angel, the big boss man, Ray Trailer, was special guest referee. And then Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage would beat Kevin Sullivan and The Butcher, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Then we go to Clash of the Champions 31 in Daytona Beach, Florida. This was now 1995, like the previous Clash I just mentioned. Public Enemy would take on the Nasty Boys. In a double DQ. Check out D. Malenko versus Alex Wright. For the WCW tag team titles, Sting and Lex Luger defeated the Blue Buds. Conan would beat Psychosis in a decent match. Ric Flair and the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. WCW tonight going up against the NWO as you challenge Hulk Hogan for the coveted title that now has uh, NWO on it instead of WCW. We're kind of all in this thing together. You are a 13-time world heavyweight champion. Me, Gene, you and I... We'll never be in it together. Tonight, it's the nature boy. Woo! It's the girl. It's the four horsemen. And it's the new world order. Let me see. 13 times WCW champion. One time new world order champion. Tonight, Hogan, names don't change. We just change the date, the year. It's you and me. It's an attitude in life. It's wanting to be the very best. It's wanting to be at the pinnacle of what you do for a living. I know, woo, that tonight, when I walk down a style and profile, I'll be the best. You've changed 
Hollywood, you've changed your outfit, but you haven't changed the makeup. Nash, you jump on me, you deal with Mongo. Chico, you jump on me, you got the enforcer. Anybody else out there in the NWO wants to find out woo, how to play with the Avalanche and the Rockies, come on down. Because the nature boy is going to say it one more time. Whether you like it, Hulk Hogan, or you don't like it, learn to love it. Woo! Because it's the best thing going today. And Hogan, you know why we don't beat up my best friend? Because I can't. And neither can you. Think about it as you walk the aisle tonight. Woo! Then Clash 33 from Denver, Colorado, August 15th of 1996. For the Cruiserweight title, check out Rey Mysterio defeating Dean Malenko. A very solid match. Medusa, a.k.a. Lunger Blaze, would take on and defeat Bull Nakano. The Giant wrestled Chris Benoit. Also, for the WWE Tag Team titles, Harlem Heat fought the Snyder Brothers as well as Sting and Lex Luger to a no contest when the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, interfered, making their presence known in Clash of the Champions history. Then there was Clash of the Champions 34. January 21st of 1997, the Cruiserweight title was on the line. Great match, Dimalenko defeating Ultimate Dragon to win the title. Also, Chris Jericho, Super Kello, and Chavo Guerrero Jr. beat Conan LaParker and Mr. JL, a.k.a. Jerry Lynn. I suggest checking out that matchup. Eddie Guerrero battled Scott Norton. Also, a Falls Count Anywhere match, a brutal match between Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan. Then Lex Luger defeated Scott Hall by disqualification. This is where you can see the quality of Starcade would kind of lose its big appeal or its you know mainstream top pay-per-view, top event feel, leading to the final Clash of the Champions. Clash of the Champions 35 from Nashville, Tennessee. This was August 21st, 1997. The final card consisted of Steve McMichael defeating Jeff Jarrett to win the United States title. In a no-DQ match, Raven defeated Stevie Richards. For the TV title, Alex Wright defeated the Ultimo Dragon to win the championship. For the Cruiserweight title, the champion Chris Jericho defeat Eddie Guerrero. Psychosis, Silver King, and Los Vianos, 4-5, and five, beat Super Kalel, Juventud Guerrero, and Liz Mark Jr., as well as Hector Garza. Ric Flair and Kurt Henning beat Conan in six. And for the WCW Tag Team Championship, champions Scott Hall and Randy Savage, who was subbing in for Kevin Nash, defeated Diamond Dallas Page and Lex Luger. From that point on, Clash of the Champions was removed from the WCW pay-per-view or special event listing, and it wouldn't return until the WWE would rename Night of Champions to Clash of Champions. No longer Clash of the Champions. It's now known as Clash of Champions. You could tell the quality of wrestling changed. It went from being just a special event to compete with another promotion to being a self-branded pay-per-view, a part of the pay-per-view lineup, then back to being a special event, back and forth. I personally liked when it was a special event but because you can go back and think, oh, wait, tonight's Clash of Champions during the week. You wouldn't expect it. It would be a nice little special surprise wrestling when you don't have it during the week. That's what made Clash of the Champions special for me. 
seeing wrestling when I wasn't expected to see it or wasn't uh, programmed to see it on a weekly basis. From the first title match of the first clash, Sting versus Ric Flair, to the final weaning days of the promotion and the event itself, from the NWO being evolved to being more so just tag team matches to set up the pay-per-view. You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, btbcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at btbcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, btbcast network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at btbcast.com go old school with beyond the bell clash of the champions you could say went in a full circle in the history of wcw being an event that was built to set up the major pay-per-view events then with the popularity of professional wrestling wound up being in a way a major event of its own just in a different format being on television then really being a setup event for the mainstream pay-per-view events I just liked it because it was different. It provided a special feel as opposed to other events. But now with the amount of programming we have today compared to the amount of programming we had years ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago, you know, seeing wrestling on a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday is not as special as it was back then. So that kind of loses the appeal of Clash of the Champions. But I'm so happy the name is still around, still allowing the lineage to carry through and the history of Clash of the Champions. And you could say you could tie Sting's, the launch of Sting's career with the Clash of the Champions name. Thank you, WCW and WA, for bringing us Clash of the Champions. I love all the tremendous matches and memories within the title. And I look forward to hopefully future Hall of Fame matches and top matches within the WWE umbrella under a Clash of Champions name. And as we look back at the history of WCW, Clash of the Champions was a big part of of the promotions history again fans thank you for joining us for another edition of your retro wrestling podcast beyond the bell as we look back at the history of world championship wrestling on our next edition we'll take a look back at war games and the impact this match had in professional wrestling war games is actually back under the nxt brand which i'm glad to see it return as it was a unique event with unique rules, and we're going to travel back in time to review the history of war games in World Championship Wrestling. This is your old-school party host, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Until then, stay old school, my friends.